The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Goodnight Maryland Radio with your host, Nina Bosky. It's been more than 50 years since the tragic death of one of Hollywood's biggest stars at the time and in history, Marilyn Monroe. Nina seeks to uncover the life and death of this legendary star as it coincides with the pre-production of the feature film, Good Night, Marilyn. You'll get a chance to question, explore, and discover the secrets surrounding what really happened that fateful night back in 1962. Let's start the conversation. Here is the host of Good Night, Marilyn Radio, Nina Bosky. Hi, everybody. I'm Nina Bosky. As you know, Good Night, Marilyn Radio, and welcome to the show as we explore the investigation, the life, and the movie all surrounding Marilyn Monroe. Well, we're in season three. I can't believe it. It's been a few months since we've been on the air, but a lot has been happening. For season three, we're going to be dissecting the DA report. And this is an exciting season because we are back. The panel is back, and hopefully you're back with us, too. So as Goodnight Maryland fans, as you know, we've been growing uh, each and every week around the world, even while we're on hiatus. It's been kind of an interesting thing. People must have been going back and listening to the shows. We have Mark from Chicago, a shout-out. Oscar from St. Petersburg, Florida. Nathalie from Arnhem, Netherlands. I hope I'm saying that right. Natalie from Carlsbad, California. John and James from New York, Jan from Eugene, Oregon, and Rebecca from London. It's because of you and this story that we are shedding some great light on this mystery that has been haunting us for now over 53 years. And, you know, so many people are claiming to be a part of Marilyn's life that it becomes confusing to really know who the players are and who's really involved and most of all, we're finding out who isn't. So this season, we'll take an in-depth look at what's really going on and what we will dissect during this DA report. We also have some exciting news. Because of you and the support, we are going to be able to hopefully find out what happened to Marilyn. We have a single donor who has come forward to help us fund the real-life investigation. Um, I don't know. I'm getting some um, uh, uh, interference from uh, maybe one of the the um, guests. If if you can mute your your phone, that would be great. Um, but anyway, we are we have a single donor that has come and come forward to help us fund the real life investigation. We are very excited to announce that we will be doing the Truth Will Set You Free conference, the real life investigation of Marilyn Monroe's death. 
It'll be at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel, May 20th through the 22nd. There are only going to be 100 people invited to this live conference, but you'll be able to watch it via streaming right here on Voice America. But before we do that, I want to introduce some key people who are integral part of this conference. I'd like to introduce Dana Kent, who is the co-creator in the Real Life Investigation with us. Dana, are you there? I am. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. I am so excited to be here on Goodnight Maryland Radio's third season opening broadcast. Seriously. This radio show with you, Nina, and your guests and experts and amazing Voice America audience has certainly set the stage for our conference in May. To have continued to address the questions surrounding Maryland's death and to look into the real person and her life is and will continue to be the foundation of how we proceed with this investigation. The truth will set you free is right. <laughs> and we definitely have an investigation team on a relentless pursuit to this truth. You know, the commitment to presenting only substantiated information to help us unravel this story will be supported throughout this entire conference. And honestly, it is our objective to present the truth in a compelling, collaborative effort that we hope will inspire you, the audience, to take everything that you've ever seen, heard, or read since her death and throw it out the window and refer to this roll-up-your-sleeve and conclusion-based resolve as the portal to the truth. (laughs) The point of reference we have behind it is a body of work that will include proving, disproving, or presenting the most accurate depiction of each critical part of this investigation. And And in its summary, the truth, the truth can be a healing and transformational experience to take with you as it relates to Marilyn Monroe and how it relates to ourselves. And I would also just like to add that this has been a privilege to have this radio show as an integral part of this process. So uh, thanks to all of you. And good morning. (laughs) Good morning. Uh, With that note... Yeah, good morning. And we also have Randall Libero, who is our executive producer here on Goodnight Maryland Radio. Randall, obviously, we've been on a journey together, and I'd love to get your insights as well. It's been uh, it's been an incredible journey. And since you and I met years ago, uh, we at first didn't know exactly what our collaboration would be, but uh, to see uh, everything develop from. Uh, the radio show and uh, moving into this event happening in May. And in the heart of Hollywood, by the way, if people don't know, the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel is right across from the famous Chinese theater. So, uh, and and it's watch goodnightmaryland.com and, and for information about the event, uh, our Facebook page, website, I'm sure that uh, we'll be posting information up there very soon. And the event will be on Voice America TV. So if you don't know about that, you can actually watch it on your home television. Uh, so if you uh, uh, sign into the event, uh, then you can be able to watch it right at home on your smart TV, right on voiceamerica.tv. So it'll be full screen, big screen, just like Marilyn has always been on the big screen. <laughs> Front <laughs> never, and center. She, she never does anything small. <laughs> and uh, this event will not be anything um, uh, anything. A small, it'll be it'll be big. So uh, tell your friends, share the information about this event. It's the first time that anyone has ever done anything like this about Maryland, where all the experts come together, and we will have lots of new information for you uh, coming through this radio show and the event, and um, uh, you know, eventually, you know, when the movie uh, hits the screens at some point. 
Exactly. And I just want to point out, because people have already been emailing us and asking us uh, and messaging us, where and when can I sign up for the event? We will have the page up within the next week. So I just wanted to let you know that we're working on it, um, as you know, uh, and you'll find out. We've been doing a lot of research for this uh, conference, and it uh, it's a lot of information to sift through because we're not doing what a lot of people do, which is they follow a theory, and then they jump on it, and then they they don't really check the facts. We're really trying to be clear and uh, discerning about what we're giving you. So what we give you uh, will be fact or a theory. We'll say it's a theory or it's an outlandish rumor. And that takes a lot of uh, checking and double checking. So uh, bear with us. We will have it up in the next week and you'll be able to sign up if you want to come to the live event or if you want to watch it globally. I know we have a lot of global uh, listeners and I think it's really important for you guys to be a part of it too. As you've heard me say, I've said this to the Maryland experts and the Maryland community, but I'm saying this to you, the listeners, it really does take a village to do something like this. It's, it's, it's a lot of, of energy, but that energy is what can transform. And I just want to say thank you, Voice America Radio Networks, for believing in this show, for really being able to bring this forward. I'm getting all choked up because it's just, it's really one of those historical events that really can shed light. And I know for everybody that is connected to this project, we all have a common goal, and that's getting to the truth. So I'm going to ask everybody that's listening to this radio show today, you may have your own theory of what you think happened, and the Maryland experts all have their own theory of what happened. I have my own theory, and it changes from day to day depending on what information I get. But I'd like you to to really um, follow this this uh, this uh, unfolding of these events with an open mind and an open heart. Because when that happens, when there is an openness like is happening right now, change and transformation really can take place. So I just want to say thank you to the Voice America Radio Networks. Dana, thank you so much. Couldn't do this without you. Mike Surgit, our engineer, thank you. Jennifer, our social media person, <laughs> and our experts. So with that, let's get started. Why is this conference <laughs> here, so important? <laughs> is because, as you heard me say, if anyone has gone through tragedy in their life or if something is not transparent, there is no truth to the situation and there cannot be transformation. Even though this is about Maryland, it's bigger than Maryland. It's about each and every one of us. There are thousands, if not millions of people who have unanswered questions in their life who, like Maryland, have never really had the truth come out. So that's why we're here, to find out what happened to her back in August of 1962. But unfortunately, given the circumstances of her life at the time, there was no one really being an activist for finding the truth in her life. At the time of her death, you had Joe, who was wanting to protect her from everything and everyone. And then you had Hollywood, who maybe at the end, who cared about themselves more than they, had, they really did her. But who really cared about Marilyn? I am honored to be part of this community as we pull together all this information. 53 years later, we have theories of what might have happened to her, but I'm going to guarantee you, you're going to hear us say this. You've heard us say this last season and the first season. Our goal is to represent the information as fact, probable theory, 
and outlandish rumors. So with that, Marilyn panel, you are back. Gary Vitaka Robles, best-selling author of Icon, The Lifetimes, and Films of Marilyn Monroe, and Immortal Marilyn's Mary Jane Grey and Leslie Kasperowitz. We are discussing the 641-page DA report as an overview of the season. So I think it might be a good idea to kind of frame this up for everybody. There are a lot of questions we all have regarding the report and the material in it. So welcome to the show, all of you. Thank you, Nina. Hi, Nina. Good to be back. <laughs> so, Gary, let's start with you. Um, what What is your overview of not only the DA report, but the material in it? Well, I vividly remember this, this DA's inquiry into Marilyn's death. It was the 20th anniversary of her passing, and I was beginning my senior year in high school. And I had watched Robert Slatzer and Milo Spiriglio's um, press conferences that spring and summer, uh, demanding a reinvestigation. Spiriglio was that private detective who had published Marilyn Monroe murder cover-up, and I had read it. And um, the media at that time was really spotlighting Marilyn, and so this DA's review was a response to uh, criticisms that came regarding the original investigation. And I followed it in the press, and um, when the inquiry ended uh, around, like, New Year's at the end of 82, the conclusion was announced in, like, a very short paragraph in the newspaper, and it cited very little detail about the depth of the investigation and what it proved or disproved. We were, you know, merely told that there was no evidence to support a murder theory or to officially reopen an investigation. But, you know, now that I've looked at 641 pages and (laughs) and, uh, a 29-page summary report, you know, I clearly see that the review was, was rather deep and fairly successful in debunking many of the myths which continue to today. So I wish that entire summary had been released to the press and to the public at the time because I think it would have put to rest nearly 35 years of perpetuating falsehoods. Wow. They had, they had um, I would say, a fairly thorough forensic um, evidence gathered at that time. And, you know, many of the original witnesses were, were still alive. But I think that this 82 inquiry really responded adequately and unequivocally to many of the questions that were, that were still asking. You know, they, they um, addressed in depth the autopsy, a review of the integrity of the coroner's handling of the case. They went through all the allegations of if an ambulance arrived uh, before Marilyn died, um, the allegations of a doctor killing Marilyn with an injection. Was Robert Kennedy seen at the home? And the evidence they gathered, I think, is, is rather compelling. They got into, you know, allegations of wiretapping, confiscated phone records, disappearing police files. So, you know, interesting to me was to see uh, Robert Byron's handwritten notes, you know, the first responding sergeant. Uh, It was interesting to see the background checks on Lionel Grandison and Jack Clemens, who made all these assertions and criticized the, the police work, and to hear Dr. Weinberg's testimony, because he had been used by the conspiracy theorists to back up their claims with expert medical knowledge, but then he actually denied most of the, the statements that he was quoted to have said. 
Yeah, and that's that's also in terms of the report, you have these back and forth kind of, uh, you know, uh, a lot more detail than I think I uh, thought going into it, but there's also a lot of contradictions too, and, and did they take it, uh, one of the questions I have is, you know, did they take it as far as they could? So what are some of the questions, Gary, and, and you know, we'll, we'll start with the question, then we'll, we'll come back out of the break with it, but what is one of the questions that you have that's really burning from this? this report? Well, I, you know, it seemed like they, they stopped after addressing the allegations regarding the original investigation, and they didn't delve deeper into what they actually began to uncover, which I think are reckless prescribing practices and poor coordination between the attending doctors. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know, yeah, and I yep. think that um, for all of us, I think that's one of the most challenging things. And Dana, you had a question last last night about even the, you know, that already on the uh, police report, they were saying what actually happened to her before they even knew what happened to her. So I felt that was, what was the question that you had? I thought that was very yeah, interesting. Yeah, I had like two things that were standouts last night. The first thing was the fact that Greenson was an MD, and yet it took Engelberg to be the physician to declare her dead. Like, there would have been no reason for him not to do it. So that's, you know, it's suspicious. And those are, like, common sense things. Like, there's a why to that. Like, why would he not choose to do that? He's the person that's been with her every single day. And, of course, we all know that as we look at that, there's a lot of inappropriate and mismanagement of her care. But in addition to that, at that critical moment, and he is an MD. He's not just, you know, he's he's a medical doctor. He absolutely had the, you know, credentials to do that. But he didn't. But back to what you and I were talking about, too, Nina, last night, is that they took that report and said that it was an overdose on barbiturates when nothing had been scrutinized yet. So for a police report to come back with the conclusion when it has not even been to the coroner is also odd. Like that, it's seven, that doesn't it's even make seven, any sense. Yes, it's 7 o'clock in the morning that they basically, they already had it on the police report. We have to take a quick break. We are going to come back with the rest of the panel. We're going to talk a little bit more about Gary's questions. Leslie Kasperowitz has some questions. We also want to give you an update on some of our research that we had uh, kind of uh, a conclusion, or not even a conclusion, just a little uh, kind of scenario of our thoughts about it. And Mary Jane Gray, you're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. We are in Season 3, Dissecting the DA Report. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com and now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 
480-486-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Night Maryland Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Marilyn Live Talk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everybody. I'm Nina Bosky. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. Gary Vitaco Robles, best-selling author of Icon, the Lifetimes and Films of Marilyn Monroe. I certainly want to just highly, highly recommend that uh, book. Books, I should say. They're volume one and two. And Immortal Maryland's Mary Jane Gray and Leslie Kasperowitz. We just have a couple of announcements. We have a charity circle for Maryland. If you go to goodnightmaryland.com, you'll see that we're giving back to some charities, uh, especially once the, the, the movie is made. And as you know, Maryland was an avid reader. So we have a uh, gala coming up. It's called uh, Unstoppable. And you can go to unstoppable.org and their mission is to make sure that every child has access to education and um, it's a wonderful gift it's uh they're having their gala next weekend march 19th go to unstoppablegala.org and you can find out more about it uh, but i know that uh, Marilyn loved children and she loved to read and education if she would have had the ability to to have a higher education i know she would have as well so as you know as my mission and being a transformational leader is to get people thinking about their lives. They were certainly thinking about Marilyn's life. And I think this Life Bites thought of the day is quite appropriate for this week's. It's called, What Are You Hiding From in Your Life? So are you playing hide and seek with yourself? Well, if if so, sooner or later, you'll find out that you can run, but you can't hide. All of us at one point in our life are faced with the decision of whether we're going to take our mask off. So have you ever gone through something and found yourself months, if not years later, saying, wow, what in the world was going on with me? What in the world is happening? It's like the light bulb goes on and you realize you've been living a lie in some form in your life. And now the truth just seems so obvious. So one of my life bike cards says says that I went running today and I didn't even leave the house. What are you running from in your life? Well, If we take that statement and explore it, it talks about how running from something has little to do with the physical action. Many times we run from our emotional and spiritual life. I know I put on my running shoes before without even knowing it. So that's why I think this topic is so powerful. It gives us a chance to look at our own life and to see what exactly we're hiding from. Now you may say, well, gosh, I'm an open book. I live my life with integrity. I'm not hiding from anything. Well, that may be true. But I'm sure if you dig a little deeper, you'll find that in some areas, you might be ignoring them, rationalizing them, or even denying them. So hiding makes us feel safe, well, at least on the outside. But the problem with hiding is that the issue can never be transformed. Huh, kind of interesting that we're talking about this issue in terms of Marilyn. Well, it stays in the dark without having any room to be healed. So for today, take a look 
at your own wounded areas. Be daring. Go inside and ask yourself some direct questions, and I'm going to give them to you. Where in my life am I still operating from a place of too much pride? Do you find that you might need to let your walls down and be willing to open up and be more vulnerable and real? What are you protecting? Second question, what in my life am I rationalizing as okay or acceptable when I know deep inside it's not? Are you in a job or relationship that you know is not working, but you keep on hoping, telling yourself excuses in order to keep the peace or stay a little longer out of fear? Think about that one. And how about this last question? What in my life am I in denial about? Are you repeating the same pattern yet getting the same results? Denying there's a real problem? You'll know you're in denial when you feel like you're in the same situation again and the experience seems all too familiar. Remember that hiding doesn't have to be bad or a negative thing. Sometimes it may be the thing that we need to go until we're ready to deal with our life or the situation. Look what's happening now. 2016 from 1962, the time may be ready for us to really deal with the truth. So regardless of how you choose to deal or not deal with an issue, I hope that you'll take the time to look at your life more closely. So if you're ready to take your next step in life, then it's time to turn on the lights, get out of the dark, and give your life some quality attention. The fear is usually so much greater than the reality. You know, and besides, I know it definitely in my life, hiding takes way too much energy, doesn't it? So it's time to feel free and lighten up. A great start is to moving into the light and remember to always apply this key phrase to your life. The truth will set you free. On that note, we are back with the panel. We're talking about the truth will set you free, hopefully in Marilyn's life. So, Gary, you were talking about some of your questions, and I want to make sure we get to Leslie as well as Mary Jane as well. We all have some burning questions here. So um, so to continue the conversation, we're talking about the DA report and some of the discrepancies and the back and forth and the comprehension of it. Yes, and I was focused on the, the uh, prescribing um, physician, Dr. Engelberg, and he clearly lied about prescribing the chloral hydrate. And the investigators um, were able to identify the mixed messages about the doctors weaning her off the dangerous barbiturates, yet they were prescribing her what I would consider massive and lethal amounts of the, the barbiturates. There were questions about did another doctor, Lee Siegel, prescribe the Nembatol in addition to Engelberg? And um, were those two doctors not in contact with each other? Was Marilyn doctor shopping? Um, Greenson and Engelberg not coordinating services, possibly due to personal problems of Engelberg. And, you know, all of this, while, you know, we've all seen the photographs that Barry Feinstein took for Life magazine of the chloral hydrate bottle with um, Engelberg's name on it, which was published in the 60s, and, you know, now we have access to all those, those scripts. So, you know, that, that becomes a huge piece of this case, in addition to looking for, um, to resolve murder conspiracy theories, just to look at where the doctors might have failed her. 
Yeah, I think um, I'd like to spend some time, not necessarily in this show, but another show really breaking down because the DA report talks a lot about the the medicines prescribed. And I think that's going to be a really important factor. Uh, Dr. Engelberg and all, you know, all of her doctors uh, in today's society would have been brought up on criminal charges. I mean, there is no doubt. Um, and they lied about it. And they certainly Dr. Engelberg did. And, uh, you know, what were they protecting? Obviously, they were protecting their careers, but were they protecting something more? That's something that we're going to have to discuss. Uh, Leslie, uh, welcome back to the show, season three. Thanks, Nina. Yes. So uh, you and I spent uh, some uh, some time along with uh, April Via Via uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, you know it's been it's going to be quite a, a mission to be able to uncover a lot of facts. And we spent some time listening to the Anthony Summers original interviews, and I found that very fascinating. What did you get out of it when you were listening to it? You know, it was interesting to hear so many of the details that never uh, appeared in print and to really get picture of Marilyn, where she was at in her life in those last months, uh, directly from some of the people who were around her and really get a sense of what was going on in terms of her mental health and the way her doctors were approaching it, particularly with the tapes interviewing the wife and daughter of Dr. Greenson. Yeah, I found that very fascinating, too. And also some of the things that we just take as true. Um, one of the things that, I mean, this is kind of a trivial thing, or it might not be, but it, it, it seems like it. On Friday night that uh, Pat Newcomb and uh, Marilyn were actually at La Scala Restaurant, we now know that that, according to Pat Newcomb, that that isn't actually the case. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, just little tidbit of how we assume something is true because we've seen it or read it so many times that we just think it's factual and, uh, you know, there's stuff that we're learning each and every day. Right. And that, you know, and that makes sense to me because I've never felt that La Scala made a lot of sense considering the fact that Pat Newcomb was ill. La Scala being kind of an upscale restaurant, you would have to dress up a little bit to go out there. So I never quite thought that that made sense. And so it's nice to see confirmation of that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the some of the things that we're going to be bringing to the show and obviously bringing to the conference. So what are some of your burning uh, questions from the DA report as we start to dissect it in season three? Well, starting at the beginning of the report, you know, the first thing that you read in the report is Dr. Stevens, um, who goes over the autopsy and toxicology and answers many of the questions that had been raised regarding what was found um, during the autopsy, including whether there should have been dye or capsules in her stomach, the absence of refractile crystals and that sort of thing. And it was it was gratifying to see that even at that point, he was agreeing that um, the autopsy conclusions were generally correct um, and, and agrees with some of the other forensic experts who have talked on the matter with um, uh, that those things were not unusual, that those findings were not unusual. But what really jumped out at me in his interview was his statement that he believed that the um, overdose that she took might in fact have been survivable. And he states that it's it's not probable, um, but that it's possible for somebody with an extremely high tolerance to have potentially survived that. And that that goes against everything that I've ever heard in terms of the amount of Nembutal that was in her system, which my understanding that was that that alone was a fatal dose. And so that for me raised the question of if anybody else has ever considered that to be a survivable overdose, and if so, um, should we be going back to looking at the potential for an accidental overdose? 
I think this is a really important aspect. We have to take a break, but um, of the case and what we're going to also be bringing not only to the radio show, but also to the conference with Dr. Michael Baden and Dr. Cyril Weck having all these different uh, forensic pathologists over the years give their two cents. How wonderful to see, you know, two forensic pathologists actually talking about this. And we as the Maryland community and audience could be asking them some questions that we have in regards to some of these uh, conflicting reports. So let's take a quick break. Uh, You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. The panel is uh, alive and well as we are dissecting the DA report back in 1982 and 85. We'll be back in just a moment. Here was a beautiful woman, symbol of uh, attractiveness, and she did not have a date for Saturday night. Monroe liked the feeling of being uh, under the influence of the sleeping pills. She gave her a woomy, toomy feeling that she liked. I speculate that she was feeling depressed and abandoned. And in that feeling of being depressed and abandoned, decided to take the pills. And in her mind was the feeling that for sure she wouldn't be away from the feeling of loneliness and abandonment. And in her mind was the knowledge that it could kill her. And in her mind, was the knowledge that she might be rescued. And in her mind was the wish that somehow her life would change. Hi, everybody. You're welcome. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky. We are discussing and dissecting the DA report. That was uh, Robert Littman, who was uh, in the head of the suicide prevention team. One of the reasons why we played that uh, clip is that we had a question from a listener uh, that said uh, her name is Darcy from San Antonio, Texas. says, why did the suicide prevention team come to their conclusion without having a clear understanding of her life? It seems that they jumped to conclusions without having a proper investigation. Has anyone read? the full report and I think what she means is not so much the DA report but the suicide prevention um, uh, report uh, does anybody want to jump in uh, Mary Jane we haven't said hello to you yet hi Mary Jane hi I'm <laughs> and I, patiently listening to everything yes so what do you have to say in regards to uh, Darcy's question I'm sorry what was that I said what do you have to say in regards to Darcy's question in terms of the suicide prevention team um well, we still haven't gotten the full report from the suicide prevention team, but we are trying to track it down and get our hands on it. Um, I was, I mean, my thoughts on it is I, I'm not comfortable with the way it was handled. Um, Dr. Lippman, when he was interviewed for the 1982 investigation, said that he heavily relied on Dr. Greenson to compile the report, and I don't necessarily think Greenson was was being truthful or on the up and up on a s- several issues. Well, and so also I Mary think- Jane, Mary Jane, this is, I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but for anybody just tuning in for the first time, there is no way in the world that Robert Littman should have been the one uh, reviewing Dr. Greenson. They, it was his mentor and colleague 
I mean, that is, it would be like my, my colleague reviewing me. How is that going to be an impartial um, kind of review of somebody's, uh, somebody's work? I mean, uh, I just, I, I, I'm um, unbelievable the lackadaisialness of, of what was going on during that time. Yeah, and I, and I question who was it that put Littman in charge of this? And why was he, you know, why was a colleague of Greenson's put in charge of basically interrogating him? I mean, Littman said it's, it's quoted in the DA report that um, his most important informant was Dr. Greenson because he knew everything about Marilyn. But, yeah, and, I mean, uh, Dr. Greenson had only been seeing Marilyn for two years at that point. Well, and not only that, but two weeks after, I think it was, and Mary Jane, you did an excellent job in producing this document from uh, Dr. Lippman that basically says, I'm so sorry that you're going through this, all this ordeal. Hopefully it'll be over soon. I mean, right. Right. I mean, so, I mean there, just, there's a, a very glaring conflict of interest there. Yes. Yes. And, and I, which is why I really would love to see the full suicide prevention team report and see if it's, you know, as biased as I tend to think it may be. Yeah, I think that uh, it may be biased, but the fact that we haven't yet seen the whole report, again, where's the transparency, especially 53 years later, people? I mean, it's just, it's like, come on already, you know, let's, let's, let's have a transparency of where's the report, how can we get it? If there's anybody out there that knows how to get to the report, I know everybody, I know a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people have been trying to get to it. How can we get this information uncovered? As I said, this is a village, and there may be people out there that have information that they don't even know about. And we're not talking about my cousin, who knows my, you know, Marilyn, and they, you know, saw her the last three days of her life, right? It's got to be something that's more substantial. So um, I find that very, very interesting. So, you know, now that we have you, Mary Jane, what are some of your burning questions from the DA report? Well, I actually, I will tell you, I loved reading the full DA report. It was a big thrill for me to actually have all that information. And a lot of it confirmed things I already thought, but I think the thing that stood out to me, um, that was the most glaring discrepancy is why did nobody look further at the doctors? We've got the doctors making contradictory statements about who prescribed what. We've got Greenson saying that she wasn't taking any pills in the month of July, but I added them up and Engelberg prescribed her 336 barbiturates and sedatives between July 10th and August 3rd. So why yeah. were Greenson and Engelberg not communicating with each other, or were they and Greenson was playing dumb to, you know, get the heat off himself? I don't know, but that's, that's where I immediately go with all this. Yeah, there's a lot of discrepancies, and from that fact that everything was kind of being pushed down. Or, Gary, you also have some reports that actually it might not have been pushed down, that, uh, you know, people were up in arms in regards to, and I think, Leslie, you even uncovered some some documents that, you know, people were really looking at the doctors at that time, but it just seems like it just never went anywhere. Yeah, we yeah know, well, we, oh, go ahead, Gary, sorry. <laughs> well, you know the, the, the witness um, at the golf club who saw Engelberg um, roughed up by people a couple of days after Marilyn's death, um, holding him somewhat responsible for the reckless prescribing practices. Yeah, and Leslie? 
I was just going to say we had, um, when we were going through some of the Hedda Hopper files, we had come across the Sidney Gilleroff letter that he had written to her where he absolutely blasts the psychiatrists and accuses them of handing her pills and sending her on a joyride. Um, and Hedda had published that in her column, and we were able to look at some of the many letters from people, fans who read her column, responding with the same question. I mean, why is no one looking at this doctor? And that seemed to be a repeated refrain in those letters. So there was definitely an outcry at that time. Yeah, it's just interesting that it just kind of stayed there. And the fact that the DA report, you know, does a lot of questioning, but they don't go further. And I found that very interesting because they really did question a lot of the items um, that we're talking about. But why it wasn't pursued, I find it beyond fascinating. So on that, can I add a little something on that? Yeah, just real quick. Um, you know, hey, Dana, we got to take a quick break. Um, we'll, okay. I want you to hold that thought, and we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. Voiceamerica.com. Listening to Good Night Maryland Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to MarylandLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Good Night Maryland Radio as we start to open up the dialogue, as we dissect. Uh, the DA report, as you know, there's lots of questions. Sometimes when you're looking for information, sometimes the the more you know, the less you know. And uh, in this case, it seems to seems to be the panel is back with us. Gary Vitaco Robles, Icon, The Lifetimes and Films of Marilyn Monroe, Volumes 1 and 2. Wonderful book, Immortal Marilyn's, both Mary Jane Grey and Leslie Kasperowitz. Uh, before the break, uh, Dana, you wanted to make a point and uh, want to make sure we get that in as well. You know, thank you. It was just when we were talking about the fact that the proof of Engelberg actually prescribing that 
and that being disclosed in so much that there was an outcry or a response about it, and yet he was never, ever brought up on charges or held accountable in any way. Unfortunately, and may, it, this is why I just want to mention this, it truly does represent a sign of the times. When I think about our culture in 1962 as opposed to now, where you get a Michael Jackson doctor who's in jail, it does speak to what was different then and what was different now. Because uh, people would absolutely be held accountable today and be brought to charges or, or to the state board in regards to their license. There was a lot of inappropriate, and, and to your point, Gary, where, where the care was just not correct. And in those days, I think it, it happened more than not. And it, then they didn't be held accountable, not to the legal system. Not like that. Yeah. So it was and a cultural I point. Yeah, and I think uh, it, was, it might have been Leslie that brought this up in terms of, you know, or Mary Jane not going back into really looking past Greenson um, and Robert Lippman making these assumptions. And I'm not saying that his assumptions, maybe they were right, but not having the full scope of really looking into her life. I think that's also why people are having such a, a challenge with saying, oh, just let it go, let her rest in peace, because re- letting her rest in peace, if it's not vindicated as the truth, I'm not saying it's not the truth. But if it isn't, let's just have it be transparent, and then that way we can all rest, including Marilyn. Uh, Leslie, you had a uh, another uh, point that you wanted to bring up in regards to Eunice. Well, yeah, and as you read through the report, it starts to become so clear how many times Eunice Murray changed her story. I mean, they've got the notes, you know, from Sergeant Byron on the scene, his original story that she gave, and then you've got interviews with her where she's giving a different story, and nobody's questioning her as to why her story's changing. Nobody's questioning her as to why when Milton Rudin called to check on Marilyn, she didn't bother to actually check on Marilyn, uh, considering that she was there allegedly because there was concern about Marilyn. So why Eunice was never further questioned and investigated is a huge question to me. Okay, I have That's something to really add. That's a really good point, I, too, because... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I just want to add, uh, and, and you probably add to this, Dana, is the add-on to this, is Dr. Greenson was concerned about Marilyn driving to the beach. Supposedly, he had said to her, why don't you, you know, drive to the beach, and then said, or she was going to drive to the beach, and Eunice Murray, um, she had, he had said to uh, Marilyn, why don't you have Eunice Murray take you, because he was concerned about the fact that she was um, a little intoxicated, not by not by drinking, but from uh, the drugs that she was taking, a little woozy, as 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 he put it, and that you know maybe he, he she should have a coke. I'm sitting there going to myself: if you have Eunice Murray spend the night and you're worried about her, why in the world would you not have? Why wouldn't she have checked on her? So go ahead, Dana. No, I was just going to say that in the in the you know lack of care and inappropriateness from Greenson to be affiliated with Eunice Murray, okay? Just like Whitman, I mean, to have this enmeshed group of people and we question why they're not making certain choices, there's something to be said about that. You know what I mean? Right? I mean, if Greenson's not going to do something correctly and then Eunice doesn't, well, it seems like it's just part of that affiliation. And Because I think somebody else from the outside who was handling her differently would absolutely question Eunice's uh, behavior as being the person on site that was supposed to be watching her. You know what I mean? It's just there's something not okay about that affiliation, and it shows its face in multiple places like this. And the inconsistencies in the DA report, back to what Leslie was saying, is that, you know, why in the world, if somebody is having such conflicting uh, testimony, 
why aren't they questioning that? It just seems, and then they're saying, well, we've come Absolutely. to the conclusion. I mean, that's just, uh, it's absurd to me that in today's, um, you know, day and age at 2016, they're saying that they had a com- complete report. It's not complete because there's still so many unanswered questions that we may or may not ever be able to get to. Uh, Gary or Mary Jane, you guys want to add to this? Well, I find it interesting that in all of the years of these conspiracy theories that involved the Kennedys and the Mafia and other people, those have been complete distractions, I think, from the, the very people we needed to be focused on, who were the people mm-hmm. surrounding Marilyn at her house and their behavior. And when we take yep. it to these far-fetched extremes, it dilutes really the focus of where the spotlight needs to be. Well, and also... And also, let me just say this, the other parts of those theories, unless we have something more tangible, and I'm going to say this to listeners again, guys, if you have something tangible that really can speak to these theories, that is evidence, that is fact, then bring it forward because we're going to be doing a real-life investigation. This is the time if you do have anything to come forward. But in regards to the doctors and the pathology, that is something that we can actually be more tangible about and really, um, really uh, dissect fact from fiction. So that I think that's a really, really important point. Uh, Mary Jane, how about you? Do you have anything that you want to add with this or something else from the DA report? Well, I just want to say I absolutely love what Gary just said, and I think he hit it uh, spot on, is that, you know, the, the uh, scandalous theories and conspiracies distract us from where we should really be looking and digging. And I think if we keep looking and digging in the direction we're going, I think we are going to find some answers. Well, I think that's an important part. Is there anything else that anybody else wants to bring out in terms of questions? I have one that's kind of uh, completely different than what we've been talking about, but it's one that, as you know, for the last year, we have been asking the Los Angeles Police Department to work with us. And uh, some interesting things in terms of conflicting reports. We have a, uh, you know, uh, Daryl Gates going on record talking about, and Bobby Kennedy is a big one in terms of was he here, was he not here. Half of the Maryland fans think that he he was here, half the, and I say half, but a big, big portion think that he was here, but probably a bigger uh, portion thinks that he was not there. If we can prove once and for all whether he was here or he wasn't, I think that would be really, really important. You have Sam Yorty, um, who was uh, at the time the mayor of, Bever- of, of Beverly Hills or Los Angeles. You have uh, Chief Daryl Gates, who was um, the uh, the the uh, police chief at the time, he basically says one on one hand, Bobby Kennedy was there that day, but then he goes on record saying that he doesn't think anything happened. I find this very interesting. I came across this and I want to put this out to the listeners too, as we have been asking the LAPD to work with us. We have this wonderful conference coming up uh, in the next couple of months. Um, according to the LA Times, September 24th, 1985, Daryl Gates released the Los Angeles police report and file. And he did so because 2020 was doing an investigative report. And he said, now is the time to be able to do that. Gates said that the original file on Monroe um, was destroyed in 1972 in accordance with the police regulation, which requires um, records uh, 10 years or older to be purged. But there was a half inch file that has been made public. Do we have access to that file? Does anybody know about that file? Panel? No. No, I'm not familiar with it. 
I know. I've never seen it. Okay. So it had been released, and that's one of the things that the Los Angeles Police uh, Department had said. We haven't released it to anybody. Why should we release it to you? Well, guys, you know what? This is part of working together in transparency and truth. So these are some of the things that we're going to be uncovering is why can't there be more transparency given the fact that it's 53 years later? And the fact that Daryl Gates on one hand is saying that Bobby Kennedy was there that day on the flip side of it, he's saying nothing happened to her. And maybe that's the case. If Bobby Kennedy was there in in Los Angeles, it doesn't mean that he did anything malice to her. And I think that's one of the things that we have to remember when we're looking at this information is if we can be open to the truth. But if we come to, oh, that didn't happen, that comes from myself too. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I went into this thinking one thing. I'm 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 not exactly sure exactly what I believe at this point, but I'm really really um, approaching this from an open mind. And I know Gary, you you definitely and and Mary Jane and Leslie and Dana, you know, we're all committed to really being open to the the truth coming in. And uh, Leslie, I know you said to me, you said as long as there's evidence backing it up, I'm willing to look at anything. Guys. Exactly. And I, you know, I've changed my theories over the years as well as new evidence has come forward and I'm always open to changing what I believe again, but it has to be based on evidence and, you know, yeah, yeah, you, let me just you've got to have something tangible. Because, oh, sorry. Yep. The substantiating of this information to put some of these things to rest will allow us to do what everybody said earlier, which is to put the focus where it really belongs. And that's why having everything unravel like this is so important because it does take one of one item, and with everything that we can have that's only provable, only substantiated, to be able to draw the most current uh, conclusion will give us that ability to sort of bring everything down to the focus. And that's why anybody bringing forth this additional information as it gets, you know, it's brought forth, whether through this report or what we're able to do with the LAPD, it just will basically, through a process of elimination, consolidate this, which will be really, really important in terms of us finding the truth, the real truth. All the the way real through. truth. Uh, Gary, uh, closing thoughts? Well, you know, the biggest bombshell, I thought, was Peter Lawford's interview where he said that Greenson and his brother-in-law, Milton Rudin, who's an attorney, discovered Marilyn dead at midnight, and this was communicated to Lawford by his manager at 1.30 in the morning. That was very interesting to me, and it, and it addressed some of the shifting in the timeline. And that puts the doctors and an attorney in Marilyn's house, and um, what were they doing? What were they discussing for all that time before police were called? That's a burning question for me. Uh, I think that is a definite uh, burning question, is the timeline the doctors confirming or disproving the fact that Bobby Kennedy was in Los Angeles that day doesn't mean that he did anything malice, guys. For the the Bobby uh, Kennedy, uh, you know, uh, listeners there that don't think that he was here in in town, um, I think that in regards to the police and the police report, there are certain things that we can prove and disprove already. But if you have information that can really help us get to the truth of what has happened and what happened to Marilyn back in August of 1962. This is going to be key. All of us, the panel, the Marilyn community, were dedicated into getting to the truth as we dissect 
the DA report, we get to the materials and prepare for the Truth Will Set You Free conference. And on that note, we have to actually close out. I can't believe this is our first show and we're already we're already closing out. But I want to thank uh, the panel, Gary Vitaka Robles, The Life, The Times, uh, The Icon, The Life, The Times, and Films of Marilyn Monroe, Volumes 1 and 2. Mary Jane Gray, all your forensics and the ability to, uh, you know, uncover some of the, the research that we really need. Leslie Kaspira, obviously your dedication to uh, really finding the truth. April, who was with us in Los Angeles this week, really helping in terms of the research um, and getting to the truth. Dana Kent, co-founder and creator of the, the uh, I was going to say the life will set you free, the truth will set you free conference. And Randall Libero, Mike Surgat, and everybody in the Maryland community, we could not do this without you. So on that note, we are wrapping up this week's show. We'll be back next Friday, 10 a.m. and continue the conversation. So until next time, I'm Nina Bosky for Goodnight Maryland Radio. And remember, never stop dreaming. Thank you for joining us for today's show. Good Night Maryland Radio with Nina Bosky can be heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to tune in again next week. <music>